Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, and we reserve our national anthem, of course, for the great one, Mark Levin, and the Democrats are ruining our republic. That's right. The Democrats are calling for the destruction of the democracy that we know. And I don't even like to use the word democracy. I like to use the word republic because that's what we are. We are a constitutional republic, and we have to stay one. That's kind of like a quote from Benjamin Franklin. But welcome to the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we're going to get into uh, several topics tonight. I want to give you our phone number. It's 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to hear your thoughts on lots of different things. But the reality is regressive progressives are trying to raise the republic. And I mean R-A-Z-E, raise. They're trying to do away with it and get their own way. We've seen hearing after hearing. They're saying they're not hearings, all sorts of things. They're in a rush. The other day I made a comparison, and I said, you know what? When when not you, but when someone walks into a store and steals something, they're shoplifting. They put something down their pants, in their jacket, whatever it is. Don't get fresh. Mind out of the gutter. And they're trying to steal something and get out of the store. And what happens? They're trying to get out of there quick, fast, and in a hurry. They do not want to stick around to see what's going to go on for somebody to say, hey, what's going on? Is that a, a, a pot or a pan that you just put into your bag? They're not going to stick around for that. So they're trying to get out, and they're trying to get out fast. And that's what the Democrats are doing, and that's why they continue to keep piling things on, pushing their fake news narrative so that they can put their story out and guide this. But this is a problem. And I got to say, we got to just say, you know, hold up, wait a minute, chill, relax. Again, my name is Rich Valdez with an S. I am your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here in New York, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. I am also known to so many of my proud Levinite brethren as Mr. Call Screener. I host a show in New York City on WABC uh, Monday through Friday on their Long Island station, and I have a podcast there called This Is America, and I want to encourage you to check it out. And I bring that up, not for the shameless plug, which I just did, but more so because This is not something new. Because you Levinites are the smartest audience in talk radio, and because you can appreciate these higher-level concepts, I want to share with you some research that I'd done for a podcast that I did. And you can listen to it later if you want, but I want to share with you a little bit about how mail-in ballots were part of a plot to deny Abraham Lincoln the presidency back in the election of 1864. And believe it or not, this is according to the Washington Post. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to read a little bit of it because I think this sets the scene for something else that I want to share with you. 
Now, this is Washington Post by Dustin Waters, August 22nd, 2020. So, over the summer. The results of the 1864 elections would heavily affect the outcome of the war. Lincoln and his supporters in the National Union Party sought to continue the war and defeat the Confederacy outright. Meanwhile, anti-war Democrats also referred to as Copperheads looked at the immediate compromise with the Confederates and said, hmm, this is an abolition movement. So the troops from New York were allowed to authorize somebody back home so that they could vote on their behalf. You know, mail-in ballot with an affidavit. Sound familiar? Keep it locked. We're going to get there. It's going to get really good. Now, they would have to go. Somebody would have to witness it. They'd have to sign it. You know how that goes. These documents would be sealed in an envelope and shipped back home to be counted in the final vote. This was the process that Orville Wood intended to uphold, and it goes into who Orville Wood is and what they did at Fort McHenry in Baltimore and all of these things with respect to Abraham Lincoln, the incumbent president, in the midst of the Civil War, 1864, and New Jersey Governor George McClellan, who was his opponent, Democrat. And when you read the article, it's really fascinating. It has a lot of detail. It's a really interesting take on things. There was sheriffs involved. There was a letter uh, that they received that ultimately uh, indicted General J.A. Farrell, a general in the Army, who had organized you know, at least 20 other co-conspirators to do what? To use the ballots of dead soldiers that were killed or maimed, still alive and infirmed in the infirmary in the hospital during the Civil War, and use those ballots in their names to vote against Lincoln. One Lincoln loyalist, and that was that guy, Orville Wood, he went, he did it, he kind of went undercover, kind of Project Veritas style, if you will, and he uh, reported back to them and was able to spill the beans, and they were able to foil this, and Lincoln went on to win, and these guys got locked up. That was justice. But my point is, mail-in ballots and the fraud associated with them go all the way back to 1864 at least. And this is just a cursory search. This is not me doing research for a best-selling book like the great one Mark Levin would do. This is me doing cursory research for a radio program. I'm sure if we delve into this a little bit more and do some more research and hit up the Library of Congress, we'll get a lot more information out of it. But the point that I'm making and that I'm bringing to you all is that this stuff is not new. And like they said, lest we know our history and those of us who forget our history, we're bound to repeat it, doomed to repeat it. So in much the same way, I've heard a few people out there make reference to the 1876 election. Now, this election is not an apples and oranges comparison to the 2020 election, nor is the 2000 election in apples and oranges or apples to apples. You know, it is apples and oranges. There are nuances in all of these cases versus the other. However, for historical context, I'm going to read you an article that I feel will expand your horizon and really give a lot of context and shed light on what's happening right now today with respect to fraud, with respect to elections, with respect to how power is wielded amongst Democrats and how they do what they do to maintain or expand that power by way of elections, by way of fraud. So this is Mental Floss, uh, article in Mental Floss by Stacy Conrad. The events of the 1876 fight for the White House likely sounded familiar to Americans today. Voter intimidation, the threat of violence, an unprecedentedly nasty presidential campaign. Talk of a Supreme Court 
poised to rule in favor of the candidate that shared a party with their majority. I've heard that before. That sounds like the fake news media today. And although it was nearly 150 years ago, the outcome of the presidential election of 1876 reverberates in America even now. Hayes versus Tilden. The election was a showdown between New York Governor Samuel Tilden, a Democrat, and Ohio Governor Rutherford B. Hayes, a Republican. Tilden was well-known, active in national and New York politics. Earlier in his career, he'd been a key player in helping send the corrupt Tammany Hall leader, Voss Tweed, to prison. Hayes, on the other hand, was a virtual unknown. The country was in turmoil. The economy was suffering thanks to the Panic of 1873. And racial tensions were high following the Civil War. Hayes' Republican Party supported federal power and the rights of black citizens, while Tilden's Democratic Party wanted to limit rights for the formerly enslaved people and let the South govern themselves more independently, meaning the Democrats were advocating for slavery. Let's never forget that point. The campaigns quickly grew contentious. At one point, Hayes' backers reportedly said that Tilden had rampant syphilis and that he had impaired mental capacity. He didn't. While rumors circulated that Hayes had shot his mother while he was drunk, he hadn't. But insult slinging was just the tip of the iceberg. Sound familiar? Let's continue. Democrats urged some prominent militias to make threatening appearances at party meetings, at polling places, and specifically asking them to target black citizens in the South. Each Democrat according to the party, said you should seek to control, this is a quote, to control the quote of at least one Negro by intimidation, purchase, or by keeping him away, however you determine. Decades later, Senator Benjamin Tillman of South Carolina proudly admitted that the party had gone to extreme measures to swing the vote, including killing members of the opposition. So I'm just going to pause right there. Yes, Senator Tillman admitted that they had killed people in order to win the election in 1876. Mind-boggling. The presidential race was thought to be so firmly in the Democrats' grasp that newspapers had already printed headlines declaring Tilden's victory. But despite their best efforts, the polls were a lot closer than anyone had expected, including the candidates. On election night, Tilden won the popular vote by more than 250,000 votes but remained one electoral vote from achieving the 185 needed at the time to win the election. Hayes was at 165 electoral votes and went to bed assuming that he had lost, writing in his diary, quote, we soon fell into a refreshing sleep, and the affair was seemingly over. Of course it wasn't. Then came the battle for Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina. These three states were too close to call. If Hayes took all three of them, the presidency would be his. However, the Republican-controlled Louisiana Election Board offered to say that the vote had gone to Tilden, the Democrat, for the princely sum of a million dollars. So they were looking, they were fishing for bribes. The Republicans were looking for Democrats to pay them off to do in the Republican. Interesting how you had Republicans that were against Republicans. Several states didn't go for it. The Democrats didn't go for it in several states, so it didn't immediately make an impact. But the fact that it happened is like, wow, could you believe that? 
Now, election boards in Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina voided a number of Democrat votes for a variety of reasons. Oh, look at that. They're voiding votes, including because the inspectors at one Florida precinct went to dinner and left the box holding the ballots unattended. Chain of custody issues, inspectors not doing their jobs. Again, sound familiar? Interesting. This suddenly made Hayes the clear winner. But when other issues emerged, such as an issue in Oregon, it came out that one of the state's Republican electors was employed as a postmaster at the post office. So therefore, he wasn't able to cast his vote for Hayes. He immediately quit his job and was reappointed as an elector, but the governor certified the Democrat elector instead and threw the Oregon votes into question. I mean, these similarities, again, they're similar but different, but still similar. Weeks of uncertainty dragged into months, and with every day that passed, the country became more deeply divided. Many worried, quite seriously, that another civil war was on the horizon. Again, this is 1876, and people were talking about a civil war. There's a civil war. We're so divided. Civil war. 150 years ago, they were saying that. I think we're still saying that today. The uncertainty continued. A lot of people were worried. If there wasn't a decision by March 4th, interregnum would take effect, leading to the potential for yet more chaos. Senate Republicans had a majority. They wanted the Supreme Court to decide the outcome of the election. But Democrats cried foul. They didn't want the Supreme Court because Republicans had the majority. Both parties finally agreed to an electoral commission made up of five members of the Senate, split three and two in favor of the Republicans. Five members of the House of Representatives split three and two in favor of the Democrats, who had a House majority, Democrats. And five members of the Supreme Court. Two of the members were considered affiliated with Democrats, and two of the uh, justices were affiliated with Republicans. Together, the four would vote on a fifth justice to round out the commission. It was widely expected that they were going to pick this guy, Justice David Davis who was known for his independence. But according to an article in, guess what, The Atlantic, back in 1893, he couldn't do it because why? Well, Democrats and independents in Illinois elected Davis to the U.S. Senate. Sounds like a political play to me. So Davis withdrew his name from consideration from the Electoral Commission. The fifth seat on the commission was ultimately filled by Justice Bradley. Now, Bradley although he was respected for his independence, was a Republican, giving Republicans an 8-7 majority on this electoral commission that they'd established. Now, while they were deliberating, other deals were being made behind the scenes. Republicans sought to convince Southern Democrats to stop blocking the counting of electoral votes. If they backed off and allowed Hayes to be elected, they'd have, you know, squashed the beef. The Republican Party agreed to a number of these concessions on certain issues, And those things still affect America today, according to the article, later known as the Compromise of 1877. This informal agreement included lots of different things like taking uh, Union troops out of the South and other promises, including, you know, horse trading on somebody who would become postmaster general or some other cabinet member in a Hayes administration. Unsurprisingly, the Electoral Commission split down party lines. All eight Republicans said Hayes deserved the votes in all of the disputed states. And all seven Democrats voted against him. The majority won. And because of the compromise, the Democrat Party stopped contesting the results of the election. Rutherford Hayes was privately sworn in as the 19th president of the United States on March 3rd, 
1877 and publicly on Monday, March 5th. Now, there's a little bit more to the article. We can get to it later. But the point I'm making here is, if I haven't made it already, because I thought it was an excellent article, and that's why I read it to you, this is the real deal. We've seen things like this before, and we've been through them, and we've solved these problems. We've been in polarized situations where we think everybody's going to kill one another, and we didn't. A solution was made. So I want to hear from you. All of the Levinites out there, what your thoughts are. Obviously, many of you know this history, but I wanted to bring it back to the forefront because I think sometimes we just forget these things and we realize that, that you know, we don't have to believe in everything the media says because it's not the media that caused the election. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez with an S in for the great one. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting Promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, also known as Mr. Call Screener, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Our telephone number is 1-877-381-3811, We just talked about the historical record to provide context for present-day affairs. And it's clear the fraud is rampant. It's been rampant in electoral politics for a very long time. Now, I'm looking at... This um, article from the 19th of November, and it basically is from the New York Times saying that Trump somehow is trying to pull off an electoral vote switch. That's not entirely the case. I think that's a total falsehood, and we're going to talk about that, unity, all of that and more with the censorship right here on The Mark Levin Show. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without any government interference. 
At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Can't got your tongue? Cough up a furball and call 877-381-3811 right now from Mike Levin. So this election is about election integrity. It's about protecting America. And that's what's on the table. Fraud back in the days. Fraud today. Welcome back, everybody. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. Some of you know me as Mr. Call Screener. Others of you know me as Richie V. Our phone number is one eight hundred. Excuse me, one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. My experiences haven't always been in the talk radio industry. I served in the administration of Governor Chris Christie, and I so meaning I worked in government. I worked in media. I worked with Project Veritas, and I've written a column for the Washington Times back in the day. I've been in this world for for quite a while. And of course, as a producer to Mark Levin, Mister Call Screener. So I have different perspectives on things, and I've seen things in many different ways. And I guess sometimes you become jaded. You know, you get used to seeing politics as business as usual. And oftentimes I, my brother, who was never into politics, one of my brothers, he, uh, he always tells me, he's like, I just can't believe that you don't get outraged by this stuff. And I'm thinking, I just finished sharing with you guys an article from, you know, regarding the history of the 1800s, the 1876 election where – there was fraud in 1864 election, 20 years before that. There was fraud, right? So there, in that one, a few people went to jail for the fraud. But by and large, people have been doing bad things for a very long time. And it's good that we expect for people to be held accountable. That is a good thing. I think it's just we have to look at how things work sometimes and realize we don't always get every single bad guy. And I'm not advocating that we should turn a blind eye. I'm just saying it's a realistic thing. You know, people get killed and they, there's lots of cold cases where you don't find the murderer. Lots of burglaries that never get uh, uncovered. Here, obviously, we have more inclination to, hey, who did that? But even in a situation like this one, it's a massive undertaking, right? And I give lots of credit to uh, not only President Trump for his resolve and how he handles things, including the media, but moreover with to all of the attorneys involved, uh, Julie Levin, Mark Levin's wife, Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, the external counsel like Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood. These guys are really, really competent lawyers. And they go into this realizing that there's a lot that has to be uncovered and proven. And it's not just like one thumbprint that, oh, we got it. We got the smoking gun. You know, and in many real life scenarios, the the head honcho isn't aware of what's going on. Now, in this case, we can almost bet that Joe Biden doesn't go, doesn't know what's going on, right? And, of course, Joe Biden, who I've affectionately called Joe El Baboso Biden, because he's always babiando por ahí. He's always drooling and saying nonsense things, being a little bit of a village idiot. And then, you know, when he has those moments of coherence, he comes in, and he's extremely cunning, and he's, you know, he's like uh, an evil brain. But and I'm probably giving him way too much credit. But my point with all of this is that, yes, the corruption has been around for quite a while. We've seen these things before. And 
when, when I got into government, uh, and I'm going to get to your calls, by the way. I'm d- just hang in there. I just want to make this point. I got into government in the state of New Jersey, a swamp in and of itself. And I noticed that most of the requests for proposals, the RFPs that used to come into the uh, office, the section that I worked in, they almost always were awarded to retired government workers or former officials that have served in some administration. And the argument was always, well, you know, it's because they know how things work and we're doing the right thing by giving it to these people because we don't want to misuse the resources we have. We want to be good stewards of the taxpayer dollar. And that's the argument that they make. But I look at this and I say, listen, this stuff runs deep. It's almost cult-like. I mean, this is something that I've explained on my show on New York Radio that when I moved out of Brooklyn, I was born in Brooklyn, stayed there till about sixth grade. And when I went to Jersey, Hudson County, New Jersey, I lived in a few different places. Hudson County, New Jersey might be one of the most corrupt places out there. Not, and again, not in a monolithic way. There's a lot of great politicians in Hudson County, honest people, good people. But there's also a history of corruption, like Jersey City and Frank Haig and, you know, the famous desk where you would put the money in, you know, had a secret hidden drawer to to actually collect bribes, and it's sitting in a museum today. So, I mean, this is something that I'll get into it a little bit more, but I just want to say so many governments, especially these big blue cities, these large urban centers that lean Democrat or are entirely Democrat or monolithically Democrat – these areas have perfected how to cheat. And it, it's not just one way of cheating. It's multiple ways. A lot of times it's coercion. A lot of times it's getting somebody a job and saying, hey, listen, I'll get you a job with, with the, um, on the garbage truck. I'll get you a job. I'll get you into the police department. I'll get you here. I'll get you there. Whatever city job they can get them. They get them in sanitation work, Department of Public Works, whatever it is. And now they're beholden to the politician that got them the job. 99% of the time a Democrat. So now you've developed this little army of people that are on the public payroll that are going to do anything to keep you in power because you got them in. And it's this vicious catch-22, which is why I'm such an advocate of smaller governments. And I think make your own money. Don't rely on the government. So this way we're never beholden to that. This way we never become mindless zombies like all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, who's out there worshiping government as if this is her God. And we'll get to that later. But I want to get your thoughts on the fraud, on the history that we talked about, and all of those exciting things. Let's go to the phone number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And uh, we'll keep it tight and keep it quick so we get to everybody. Let's go to Bill in Norwalk, Connecticut. Okay, thanks for taking my call, and Richard, it's good to hear you on uh, this uh, national program. Thank you, sir. Uh, I want to say that I've been involved politically uh, just about all of my adult life, and I even served 12 years in elective office. I awesome. uh, had a lot of excitement this year watching the, uh, the rallies that President Trump had, and I saw tens of thousands of people, 67,000 people at one rally that he had, and I saw, I saw uh, Biden— and his running mate, Harris, have a few open uh, sessions. You know, and, and that's put- a great point that you, you bring up. I saw the same thing. And I think enthusiasm may not cast ballots and lawn signs may not vote. But it definitely has to give you a trend of how things are going. When people show up in the tens of thousands because they believe in the movement, 
It's so difficult. Like the president said today, yeah, right. You know, like how did he get 80,000 or 80 million votes? He, he beat Obama, that guy, you know, <laughs> a slightly breathing corpse. And I, I agree with that. And it's a great point. Thanks for your call, Bill. It's always good to hear from you, Bill, from Connecticut. The, the point here is that, yeah, you're right. That enthusiasm means a lot. And when we look at the situation that we have now where there's this, this rampant fraud, it's like it, it, you can see it as fraud. It, it makes it easier to believe that there's fraud because you think, man, how else would that happen? But let's keep it moving. Let's go to line three. Jim, what's going on, Jim? You're on with Rich Valdez here on The Mark Levin Show. Hey, good evening. You know, in reference to the article that you read earlier, um, you know, it's such a, it's a much different world today. This is a global effort, which is financed by unlimited funds. You've got, you know, you have the World Economic Forum and this whole reset, and they're in the pocket with Germany, with France, with England. Jim, just to chime back in, you know, what's interesting is that 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 election, the, you know, the stuff you're talking about, like world banks and things like that, the Federal Reserve, there, this was the, the big scare of 1873 had all to do with the Federal Reserve. And so, again, back in 1873, this stuff was tanking the markets, the scare of resetting the the economy and some sort of larger scale collapse of the economy in 1873 that scared everybody, you know, out of the market, which set up this election in 1876. So, again, I think history is one of those things that does repeat itself. And you do. You bring up some great points. There's a lot of things at play today. We have the Internet, right? Al Gore invented that, by the way. And with the Internet, we have so many ways of getting to way more people. And that's why I think the propaganda is more severe. The disinformation is more severe. And, of course, the misinformation is just rampant. But, yes, Jim, I hear your point and I appreciate it. Thank you for your call. Let's go to uh, let's call her two. Uh, is that Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Percy? Yeah. Hey, listen. I just heard what you had to say about New Jersey, and I myself, I'm from New Jersey also, and um, you know I have a lot of friends that are Latino, and they're and they're big time Democrats. And the one thing I always ask them, and it kind of echoes we were talking about AOC as 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 a Latina. And the one thing I always ask them is. With, with, with all the um, rights that you have about the past indiscretions of the federal government, whether it be slavery, whether it be whatever you have, you know, corporate imperialism that took place in Latin America, um, why are you for a party that just only wants to empower the very institution that you claim has maligned minorities for all these years? Wouldn't you want to be for a party that constrains the very institution that you claim is full of systemic racism. And the reality is that they don't have an answer for that at all. It it absolutely just pauses them at that point of a uh, a philosophical question. Well, obviously, the Democrats, and I hate to use this term, the Democrats. I use it, I throw it around like, you know, it's free (laughs) because it is. But I don't really mean all Democrats. I really mean these regressive, progressive types, right? You know, not your run-of-the-mill Democrat. And I'm not defending Democrats. I'm just saying they're not all radical leftists. I know that. They just succumb to the political pressure that the leftists put upon them. And that's what we need is politicians that have courage. And, and that's what we're looking for right now is Republicans with courage that will stand up in the legislatures and stand up to have a election that is legit and honorable and stand up to doing what's right. But this is a very, very important point that you bring up, that when you push the left back, 
They don't always know how to come back. Now, some of them do, especially the extreme leftists. But those that aren't on the extreme left, it makes them think. You know, it's one of those moments where they go, hmm, yeah, you know what? You might have a point there. So I do think, you know, that's the way to do it when you're having those interactions with people. You really do have to get them and say, hey, look, this is the point. This is the bottom line. Why is it that you're supporting these people? What have they ever done for you? Instead of sitting here trashing Republicans, just take a look at Trump's record. Really, just take a look. Like Trump said himself, what do you have to lose? But thank you, Percy, for your call. I appreciate it. Let's go to, uh, let's see if I'm seeing that right. Is that Clint? Clint on line six. What's up, Clint? What's on your mind, Hey, how are you doing? Great. So, you know, with, with me, you know, it's just with any problem or any situation I try to tackle, you just, you go to the base core of it and try to keep it simple. I mean... The fact, you know, we were talking about corruption and how history repeats itself and everything. As Americans, you know, we're so polarized now because of the media, because of because of um, the uh, politics. You know, you're for one party or the other. You know, I consider myself to be a libertarian, and uh, you know, I believe in the Constitution. And that number one, we're we're losing that. And as Americans, how can you not be for the Constitution? Uh, number one, number two, as far as the corruption goes, it has been there. We all know it. Uh, since the beginning of time, but how can anyone in their right mind, a Democrat, Republican, I don't care, look at this situation and be okay with it. Our democracy is at stake here. If our votes don't count, then we do not have an electable government, like which is the foundation of our country. I mean, we're talking about serious, serious stuff. And either way it works out, it just needs to be worked out, it needs to be rooted out. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I'm just going to chime in in there and say, I think on its face, everything you're saying is accurate. But if we take that step back, I mean, at least what I got out of the article I read was that, you know what, 150 years ago, we were facing the same exact problems we have now. We were just facing them in a different time. So that exacerbation that you feel now, this feeling of hopelessness, this losing of faith, everybody's like, oh, my God, we're going to lose the country. We didn't lose the country then. We didn't lose the country when 700,000 people were killed, Americans killing Americans in the name of the North versus South. We didn't lose the country then. We didn't lose the country in the crooked election of 1876. America's incredibly resilient. America's incredibly strong. We as Americans need to know our stuff, know our history, know our facts, and be strong. We have to be courageous. And I I don't mean to, to get on the pulpit and preach here. But I think it's so important that we realize this is a problem. It's a problem we're going to get through. Yes, this could lead to tremendous negative outcomes. It could destroy things even further than just eroding our trust. We, if they've developed a way to cheat and we don't check them on the cheating and it's as crazy as it is, we're in bad shape. But I think don't lose heart. I think we, we've got a plan. We've got uh, strategy. We've got good people. And a little bit, I'm going to get into the proverbial question, maybe in hour three, of what can I do? What can little old me do? What is it that a regular person could do? And we're going to talk about that. That's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about because I think it's so important. And I, I appreciate everything that you're saying, Clint. I really, really do because it's so important that we do what we have to do and that we honor the country the way the country needs to be honored. Let's go to caller one, Jay. Jay, you with us? Oh. Go yes, for sir. it. 
Well, uh, this is my question to you. Uh, don't these politicians uh, take an oath to protect our Constitution? And if they're attacking it constantly, I think there's a provision in the Constitution that the people, um, that's why we have the amendments, is we're supposed to get rid of the government and get a new one. Yeah, well, and again, that's what elections are all about, Jay. I think that's obviously the first way that they're talking about getting rid of the government and bringing in new people to represent us at the, you know, whether it's a congressional level or the local level or federal offices like we just had for president. But you're right. People need to take their oaths seriously. And those that aren't need to be called on it. But the problem arises when we rely on a system and we don't have any of our guys on the inside except for Donaldus Magnus, El Presidente Donald J. Trump. Keep it locked right there. This is The Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit Levin for Hillsdale. Hillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, a.k.a. my code name here in this bunker is Mr. Call Screener. Our telephone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We're talking about a few different things. Obviously, it's hard to get away from the election news with the election that has not ended. And we have to stand up for what's right. We have to stand up for America. We have to stand up for the truth. And we have to stand up for our president, Donald J. Trump. Of course, I like to call him Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. And with that being said, I want to get to your calls, at least one call before we hit the, uh, the, uh, the news break. But let's go with Joe. Uh, caller three, what's on your mind? Hey, um, I was just talking before about how most people are only limited to the information they have from the big news networks, uh, and unless they can listen to your show on Sirius or go to Fox on a cable network, everything is a propaganda of the Democratic Party. You know what, Joe? I think you're right. The media is on a full assault of our republic. And we have to stand together for truth, justice, and the American way. Thank you for your call, my friend. I am Rich Valdez. I am here in the bunker, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, sitting in for the great one. And for too long, the political ruling class in Washington and locally have usurped the political power from we the people. They've taken over complete institutions like mass media, our government pretty much at every level, organized labor, and most classrooms. There's little or no independence in these areas, no heterodoxy, no independent thought. Now, yes, they possess and exert political influence on lots of people, and history has taught us how this ends. Not well, right? We know how that works when this one type of uh, hegemonic groupthink thing going on. Never a good thing. So again, this particular election is about protecting America, safeguarding the electoral process, making it harder to cheat instead of easier to cheat, the way that Mark Elias and the Democrats did through multiple lawsuits. We have to hold accountable those that misrepresent the truth in the media, in the government, and in the classroom, because that's where the culture war is. And there's several issues that we could talk about. But the biggest issue is the election. I mean, there's so many things. I'm just looking at a bunch of headlines, and we're going to get to them all. We've got... We've got Four more segments in this hour, so we're going to nail them, trust me, plus your calls. We've got a Pennsylvania poll watcher, a Navy veteran, alleging missing USB cards, up to 120,000 questionable votes. Twitter, suspending the account of a state senator who called for the Pennsylvania election hearing that they didn't even want to call a hearing. That happened two days ago, right before Thanksgiving. A federal appeals court judge that dismissed the Trump campaign's lawsuit over the Pennsylvania voting procedures, which has now opened the path for them to go to the Supreme Court. Lots of stuff happening. Our telephone number is 877-381-3811. We're going to get to your calls. But I want to talk about some of what's happening here with respect to why the culture affects these things. And this is a topic that, for me personally, it's near and dear to my heart because I feel like what I learned early on in politics, you know, I was a congressional aide for Congressman Scott Garrett in New Jersey's 5th District back in 2003, 2004. So I learned stuff then. Then I moved on and I got into other things. And I'm not trying to recite my resume. I'm just trying to say I've seen different things along the way. And one of those things, or many of those things, is we ask ourselves, how did we get here? How did we get to this situation where we are here? And to me, it's not one simple answer, but there are answers. There is a way that we got here where people try to back you into a corner today and call for unity And we have to ask ourselves, is unity equal to fraud? Or is unity real unity? 
Are we willing to unite with fellow Americans that are law-abiding and willing to do the right thing? Or are you asking us to unite with that person that was shoving the pots and pans in their bag and, you know, a loaf of bread down their pants or a flat-screen TV because they were hungry, of course, you know, taking it out of the store quick, fast, and in a hurry? Why? Well, because they don't want to get caught and they don't want to face the difficult questions. So that's what, to me, is, is at stake right now. That's what's happening. And all I can think of is this is a systemic erosion of morality, a systemic erosion of all things that are good and holy in society. And again, not to make it into a sermon, but the reality is when the founders built the system, the constitutional system that we have, and I won't quote it right now because I don't have it in front of me, but Madison and others said that it's incumbent upon us, it's required for us to have virtue. Virtue has to be chief among the things that we do because the moment we're no longer virtuous, then we're corrupt. And corruption isn't, is, I should say corruption is antithetical to our constitutional system because it's based on a system of virtue. The universal truths, whether they're the universal truths of the Ten Commandments that make up British common law that informed American common law and our system. This is why we had years ago the, the Ten Commandments outside of a court building, and there was a big to-do about that. But that's the foundation of it. That's the reality. Certain things that we have to agree on. And if we get into relativism, moral relativism, we start to think, man, this philosophical stuff is all over the place. But the minute we can't ad- agree on what truth is actually truth, We're screwed. And that's where we are now. We're screwed. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean that it's the end. No, that's not the case. But it does mean that we have to regroup. It does mean that things have to change. And we have to identify these places and make these changes so that we can do what has to be done. Because otherwise we will be screwed and permanently. Right, So I want to get your thoughts on that, on what you think with respect to all these things that we're talking about. And I'm going to give out that number one more time. It's 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I see there's a, a bunch of people that have been holding, and I want to get to you guys. Uh, so let's go to line five. Willis, what's on your mind? You're on with Rich Valdez here on The Mark Levin Show. Hey, Rich. Thank you for letting me be on your show, and uh, thank you for being an awesome call screener and a fill-in for Mark. Thank you. Without you guys, I think a lot of us would be lost. So let me get quickly to my points here so I don't take up your time. Uh, When I first called you, one of my biggest concerns is this. You were talking previously about election fraud and during Hayes, I think it was, and some people were arrested for trying to cheat on the election and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's my point. One of the reasons why I'm losing... Yeah, well, I love Trump for a lot of reasons, mostly what he's done for this country. But uh, real quick, when I've talked to a lot of people, most of them would say, well, he said this and he's done that with women. We all have. We're all imperfect. That's my first point. Um, But what he's done for the country is what I look at. Now you compare that to what we know and heard and see and we can prove with audio and video uh, with um, all of these different, you know, people involved. Long story short is this. I see no justice. When those people started boarding up those windows and uh, chasing uh, the inspectors out, 
I was wondering, where in the world is the law? Here's this person's face. Here's a room full of people who are on a roster, and when they saw this stuff going up, they did absolutely nothing. They should have said something or got up and walked out. There was no arrest, no mention of arrest, no public display of the law, and I'm losing faith in the law. So that's the first thing. Second thing I, ta- I called about was um, our um, freedom of speech. We can talk about the media and stuff, and we know what's going on there. But what's, what's happened is they've created this situation where communication is so available to so many people, we're all yelling over each other and nobody's listening. And that's why I appreciate your platform, because it gives me a chance to say what I've wanted to say to a lot of Americans. I love all of you more than I care about politics. But without the politics, we have no country. And if we give up our right to express our thoughts and views and take personal responsibility for our actions, right? You understand what I mean by that? Yeah. Is um, if I say something like uh, the house is on fire and it's not, okay, I have, there's a reaction and a responsibility there. And that's why I, I really, with the social media, I'm thankful for a couple of other alternatives that come out. I, I won't mention them here because I don't think you want me to advertise them. But the last thing I talked to you about was if there is truth in this, given what we know about all of this history and all we've heard in the news about um, documents and emails and all of this other stuff, long story short, if that really exists, if there's really truth in the law, I've been calling for a document dump, hashtag document dump. Let's, uh, Trump, I, I'm thinking he's waiting until the last minute because we want the um, justice system to work out the way it's I don't know to. that Trump can do any document dumping on his own. I mean, he's the president. But I, I think I'll, several of the points that you brought up, and, and I appreciate those points, Willis, I do, because I agree with you. I think you're right in sync with what I was just talking about. I was saying that we have so many people that exert all of this political influence on lots of groups of people. Now, we know from the study of, of Chairman Mao, the study of anybody who's really a, a big-time autocratic Marxist, how they divide people up so that they can use that tribalism to promote their agenda. And nobody did it better than Marx. He's all about that, right? His whole thing is to divide and conquer. If we listen to any Marxist, all they ever do is whine and cry about some sort of inequity, whatever that inequity is. It could be the environment. It could be the economy. It could be whatever, your, your race. It could be your sexual orientation. Whatever they want to do, your gender, your, you name it. All of that, they want to get this group versus that group because they're all about inequity. They preach inequity. They live in inequity. They want to breed strife. Now, when you're breeding strife like that, now you create these groups of people that can whine together. Oh, can you believe what this one did? Can you believe what that one did? And that's why I try not to buy into this stuff with, look, we had 20 people that were arrested for the election fraud related to the Lincoln scenario that I talked about, 1864. 30 years later, 1873, not so much, right? There was fraud. There was bribery. They were pledging to give a million dollars. Republicans were turning against Republicans. It was out of control, the fraud. Out of, literally, like there was no way to control it. That was 150 years ago. So we're 150 years later and fraud runs this, the scenario. That's how it works. And you got a guy, one single guy, left his penthouse apartment on Fifth Avenue, a building that he owns with his name on. It's literally gold and I pass it every now and again. I have a studio on 3rd Avenue, and I just, every now and again, I pass, because it's cool. And plus, they got that mural, and somebody always throwing paint on the mural, so you never know what you're going to see when you pass Trump Tower. But Donaldus Magnus, right? Donald J. Trump, El Trumpito, like I like to call him, he decides, I'm going to take my supermodel wife, and I am 
I'm going to go into the swamp. I'm going to run for president. I'm going to lose more than half a billion dollars, $600 million in losses, more than half a billion in losses. And he's still here and he's still fighting. You would think, you know, I got to tell you, me personally, if I ran for president and won and then I was in the boat he was in, I don't know if I would fight. I'd be like, you know, what? I want to get back to the Trump organization, make back the half a billion dollars I lost and get back to what matters to me. But Trump is sacrificing for the sake of this country. And I, I salute him. I really do. I take my hat off to him because that is the, the model. That is the example. We have to stand up. Trump didn't start new wars. Trump is, is a tough guy, but he's not doing all of this. Uh, he's not an autocrat. He's not like the Democrats. Obama didn't like what he saw. He wanted to jail the reporters that were going against him, saying that they violated the Espionage Act. You know, imagine if Trump were to say, you know what, I don't like what you're saying, so uh, I'm going to have Bill Barr, Bill Barr, can we get the FBI, can we put this guy, yeah, let's just get him out. He says, he says get him out, right? Of course he says get him out at the, at the rallies. But by no means are we actually going to say, hey, get him out, because we're political opponents. Matter of fact, all he ever says is, even to the media, he doesn't say, hey, agree with me. He just says, hey, be fair. So my point is, that's the example that we have. That we have to rise up. And it's in these situations where we have this rampant fraud in so many different places. Right? It's not just the the, the media. It's not just the the government. And when I say the government, it could be the federal government, your state government, even your local city government. There are generations of people that have figured out how it works. And they make it their business to do this stuff. This is important. Because when we say, why isn't the FBI doing anything? Well, let's wonder, who are the people in the FBI? And I'm not insulting all members of the FBI. Matter of fact, the FBI crew outside of JFK Airport in Queens, a uh, bunch of great guys. They listen to my show. They call in. These are real patriots, good people. So I'm not throwing them all under the bus. But I am saying, you tell me the last time a conservative said, I'm going to raise my kids, encourage my kids to make sure that they go to law school so that we can have good conservative lawyers in the government, on the school board, doing what needs to be done. That rarely happens. I don't hear of it. I don't see them. I don't even meet them. There's a few, but it's not the way it is with the Democrats that have made a career. And the reason why? Because we have other businesses and we say, oh, you know, I have a... Uh, a sandwich shop, I have a donut shop, I own a car wash, I own a restaurant, I have an accounting practice. You name it, people do it. And they're like, look, like Reagan said, get off my back and out of my pocket. They just want to be left alone. And it's that that they use against us. Stalin's model of using the system to destroy the system is exactly what they're using. They're using our virtue of providing for ourselves to beat us. So at some point, if you're getting punched in the face, you have to stop and say, let me not ask why they're punching me in the face, but you have to figure out how to fight in this fight. Maybe we have to punch them in the face as well. So now I'm not calling for violence. And please don't take me out of context with that. But I am saying, if you have people that are fighting in the media, pushing their cause in the media, then we need to have our people in the media pushing our cause in the media. If they're in the government pushing their cause, then we need to be in the government pushing our cause. We have to create balance. We have to fight them where the fight is happening. Otherwise, we're going to be screwed eternally. We have to catch up. We have to follow that Trump model 
leave Trump Tower, go into the swamp and wage war. A cold war, not a hot war. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez sitting in for the great. Mark Levin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, Levin Podcast, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Mr. Call Screener, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin is off for Black Friday. I'm guessing he's doing a lot of shopping. Uh, maybe he's not. I don't know. But our phone number, 877-381-3811, 381-3811, I do want to encourage you to always catch Life, Liberty, and Levin over the weekend. And we're talking about several different things. How the Democrats and the regressive progressive types are, in effect, stealing not just the election, but our culture, our customs, this cultural Marxism is really affecting us in so many ways. And that's why the fraud is allowed to happen, because the entire institution has been caught up. But with that said, I believe there's somebody is. Do we still have somebody on the line that wanted to disagree with me? Oh, he dropped Oh. I guess that happens sometimes when when we come back from the break, they decide, oh, let me get out of here. He got scared. All right. Well, anyway, I want to talk. I guess I will tease it because we don't have enough time to play the audio, but we will play it coming up. And it's from a former naval officer that was part of the election efforts in Pennsylvania. And he testified in Gettysburg on Wednesday. I happen to be in Pennsylvania on Wednesday as well. So we'll talk about that and a lot of other things as soon as we get back. 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez with an S on all social media. Keep it locked right there. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer 
Woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durban Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durban Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Levin says today, what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. All right, don't be dismayed. Mark Levin is not here. The great one is off today, but it is I, Mr. Call Screener, Rich Valdez, sitting in for the great one at Rich Valdez on all social media. Give me a follow. Check out the program. Let's keep in touch. I know so many of you, um, you know, you're like, hey, I enjoy you on the radio, and I appreciate that. And then there's others of you like, why are you such a jerk when you're on the phone for Levin? <laughs> and it's not an easy job, I just got to say. You know, you're doing live radio. You've got to pick and choose really, really super fast. A lot of good people, they have a lot of things to say, but they may be very verbose. And we can only have one talk show host. That's Mark Levin. So I can't always squeeze you in if you got a lot to say or if you have a bad connection. So blanket apology, just a quick point of personal privilege. We do try to put the best show together that we can for every patriot here in America that's listening. And we were talking about Rutherford Hayes earlier, Rutherford B. Hayes. We talked about corruption and and my examples of corruption in New Jersey and elsewhere and overall corruption in our electoral process. And I brought up the fact that there was a hearing in Gettysburg. But what I think is important to recognize is that who some of these people are. We don't know who all of these people are because a lot of them don't want to go – they'll go on the record in a sworn affidavit, you know, under penalty of perjury make their statement, their testimony. But not everybody's putting themselves out there for the media, but some are. And at a hearing in Gettysburg on Wednesday, one of the poll watchers in Pennsylvania, Gregory Stenstrom of Delaware County, identified himself as a former commanding officer in the United States Navy and as a forensic computer scientist with expertise on security and fraud issues. And there's a couple of things he said, but before I get to his statement, I just want to say he observed some of the USB cards being uploaded to the voting machines. Now, something I spoke about on my show and on my podcast was the the way these systems work, they they download the data on these cards and they have these I don't want to call it a backdoor, but they have a mechanism where they can upload data later, which in effect leaves like a a backdoor or a trapdoor and when Congress was grilling the Dominion Voting System CEO, and I sh- probably shouldn't have said that but because I don't want to get into that topic just now. I want to talk about the hearing. But just to make the point, he even said that – you know, he didn't say that that could not happen. He didn't rule it out. He, in effect, made a comment just saying you know, it, it was a possibility, but he didn't say that. And it was interesting the word choice that he used because it seemed like – he walked through the door and didn't shut it behind him. He was like, yeah, if you want to go through it, go, go right ahead. And I found that to be interesting. And if I can find that audio, we'll, we'll play it for you. If not, you can check it out on my podcast, This Is America. It's definitely on there, and I hope you enjoy it. But he was talking about these USB cards, these universal serial buses, which uh, bus cards or bus ports that you can put in, you know, like a flash drive type of thing or an SD card. And he was uh, saying – and this is a quote from him, that he personally observed the USB cards being uploaded to voting machines by the voting machine warehouse supervisor on multiple occasions, noting that this person is not being observed because that person's not part of the process that 
can see the, the counting and the poll watching. And he's just walking around with these baggies of USBs. And that's a quote from Gregory Stenstrom. But he also went on the record in this hearing and had this to say. Check this out. 47 USB cards are missing. And they're nowhere to be found. Those cards, uh, I demanded that the, uh, they didn't update the vote live time. They only updated it about once every two or three hours. I demanded they updated the vote so I could see what the, the uh, what the, what, what the result was. And it was uh, 50,000 votes. So 50,000 votes just on that one card that he was uh, inquiring about. So I find this interesting because, again, we're seeing these issues and again, another quote from his, his uh, testimony was that saying that, you know, these alleged cards may have been used to add illegal votes to the state's vote count, claiming there was a lack of proper oversight on how these state election workers handled these ballots. Quoting, in all cases, the chain of custody was broken, he said. It was broken for the mail-in ballots, the Dropbox ballots the Election Day USB flashcard drives. In all cases, they didn't follow any of the procedures defined by the Board of uh, Elections for Delaware County. So this is a a big thing. He's a witness to this. And this is what he told lawmakers what occurred on election night to Rudy Giuliani and the Republican lawmakers that gathered for this hearing, which the media didn't even want to call a hearing. They wanted to call it a special meeting or whatever. So... I think of all this, and I think, again, we when we look back at the Rutherford B. Hayes election, there were issues right there, same thing, chain of custody issues, which put him back into the driver's seat because the ballots in question were thrown out. So I think those things, we have to remain cognizant. I, I really don't get it. Perhaps it's my naivete. Perhaps uh, it's ignorance. But I do spend a good amount of time researching this stuff, and I speak to a lot of people that know what they're talking about. You know, I'm talking about Giuliani. I'm talking about Levin. These guys know what they're talking about. And they seem to think that while it's an uphill battle because of corruption, not the corruption in the election, even the corruption in the courts and the, the partisan nature of the courts, but that the legal argument is incredibly sound. But speaking of Rutherford B. Hayes and all of that, there is someone on the line that claims to be a relative of Rutherford B. Hayes. So, Margaret, welcome to the program. You're on with Rich Valdez. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yes, um, he is my great-grandfather. Wow. And the reason (laughs) my dad was 48 when I was born and his dad was 48 in their late 40s, so it skipped three generations. But... um, he was wounded uh, five times in the Civil War, and this is what the Democrats forget or try to co-opt. They co- try to co-opt. It was the Republicans that were fighting against slavery. And during that election, apparently, I wasn't able to hear yet. I didn't tune in in time to hear, so I'm going to uh, read your article. But sure. um, And by the way, you can always catch the replay of this on MarkLevinShow.com. Oh, Okay. Great. I'll do that. Thank you. Uh, But there was voter intimidation of the black voters because they knew that our our party had fought for them and bled for them and died for them. And um, they wanted to vote for Hayes, but they were intimidated. And there was a lot of that fraud. So I assume that's some of the stuff you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just really concerned that this if we don't resolve this, our country's gone, basically. If we, if our elections can't be um, 
up and up, you know, we're in trouble. So I appreciate what you're doing, and, and I certainly hope that they can get to the bottom of it and not just cover it up. Well, thank you, Margaret. I appreciate that. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, what do you know? I mean, obviously, you didn't get to meet him ever, but uh, what do you know from information that was passed down, you know, through the family tree? I'm sorry. What was the last part you asked? No, I'm saying what, what, what else can you tell us about your great great grandfather Rutherford B. Hayes that you know we otherwise might not know. No, it was one only one great, only one great. <laughs> That's what's oh, funny one great. about it. Got it. Okay. Because uh, I have great grandkids myself. Yeah, um, yeah. He was very upstanding. He only uh, he decided to only run for one term, and I think that was a mistake. I, I, I've been on the Rosemead City Council here in California for 29 years, and uh, we don't have term limits. You don't like me, vote me out. But um, you, over the years, you build relationships with people, with legislators, with, you know, different people, and I think that was a mistake for him to do that. But he, he was very upstanding. He was a Christian man and um, had good principles. And uh, so I'm very proud. The, the, there's, he, his was the first presidential library ever in this country in uh, Fremont, Ohio, uh, Spiegel Grove. And it's a wonderful place to go. We had a 100th anniversary of it, and my kids and grandkids all went. We had uh, several hundred people there that were, were descendants. And uh, so if anybody wants to visit that, it's a wonderful place uh, to visit the Hayes Presidential Library. That is awesome news. Thank you so much for sharing that, Margaret. Always, You're always welcome to call the program. Uh, it was really cool to meet someone that had that kind of uh, perspective on it. And while we're on phone calls, let's keep it going to uh, caller two. Melanie, you've been patiently waiting. What's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Uh, okay. Um, I was just going to say it's been very disheartening because I hear about all these people, like probably some of the judges even, some of the electors. Um, even the lady that was in charge of Trump, um, let it, allowing Biden to come over and start getting um, orientated to the uh, office of the president, she was threatened. Her children were threatened. Her, they were going to kill her pets. The same thing with Jenna Ellis. They threatened to rape her. I mean, all these horrible things, and nothing's being done to these people, so they're going to be scared to tell the truth. And that's what's happening to me, what's, what's causing the corruption. Yeah, well, I think you bring up a very good point, and it's I'm, I'm until I turn blue in the face, I'll repeat what I'm talking about, which is you're right. We need to do more, and it's not a question of threatening the other side. It's not a question of of physical violence. It's a question of the reason people slow walk things, the reason people don't do anything, is because people that are ideologically aligned, and and the ideology I'm talking about now is loving America. Right. Being a patriot, people that actually will stand up for America and say, look, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I'm going to share a story. I shared it, I think, the last time I was on this program about a gentleman who's from Afghanistan who I get my coffee from, 31st Street and 7th Avenue. And I work out of two different studios. But this particular guy, David, one day he asked me, he said, oh, you're in talk radio. What do you talk about? I said, politics. And he said, oh, what kind of politics? And I said, Republican politics. And he said, really, why? And I reiterated to him, you know, my reasoning, you know, I started a business as a young man and I just, to me, it made the most sense. Uh, conservative values, I'm a Hispanic, faith and family, these are huge things for us in our culture. And he said to me, you know, I tell people, I don't really get into politics, but when they bring it up, I tell them, look, you can disagree on politics all you want. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or anything else. But one thing 
please don't do in my presence is talk bad about America. And he said his reason for saying that to other people was because his mother had fallen ill and she had also immigrated from Afghanistan legally with him and fallen ill with cancer and went to a huge cancer hospital in New York and they got the work up and he told the doctor, you know, I'm thank you for your help, but I don't think I can pay for this. And the doctor said, you don't have to be able to pay for it. We're going to take care of your mom and she's going to be okay. And he, with tears in his eyes, said, you know what? I love this country. I love the freedom that we have to do these things, to have private health insurance. And he didn't say that in those words, but he was saying the fact that it wasn't the government paying, that it wasn't this, that the doctor was willing to do it because he can make money elsewhere and they can be more charitable. And he said, look, I don't care what your politics are, but don't talk bad about America. And I think that's the ideology that we're supposed to have, that we're supposed to espouse right now. And there's a lot of people in what Mark Levin would call the hate America first crowd. And as long as we have people in this hate America first crowd, we are going to be screwed. And this is why I keep saying we need good people like you and everybody that's called this program today to really take their activism up a few notches. And I'm not saying you're not doing enough. I'm just saying to do more, right? You're doing enough and you need to do more. We all do. We all need to get more people involved. We all need to reach more people, impact more people, and affect more industries. We have to take back our classrooms. We have to take back our local government, our state government, our federal government. And God bless Donald Trump for taking the the steps to do that. But he can't fight this fight alone. And you quickly see those in Congress that stand up for him and the plenty that don't. You quickly see people that I know, people in my network, people I've associated with that will are mum is the word, right? Shh. They're not saying anything. They're not coming out for Trump because they're hoping that he will quietly disappear into the shadows and we'll just, you know what, we've had enough with this. No, we haven't had enough with this. We need to shake the tree a little more, see what leaves fall out, get to the bottom of things, and move forward in the right direction for America. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Keep it locked right there. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, LEVINPODCAST, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media, at Rich Valdez. 
And our phone number here, one 381 3811 877-381-3811. We have a full bank of calls, but I want you to hear something. In addition to the testimony given uh, this Wednesday by Gregory Stenstrom from Delaware County, Pennsylvania, who's a former naval commander with expertise in security and fraud and gave his opinions on this. And one of the things uh, that he also talked about was how he had a tough time getting people to respond to this. Quote, I literally begged multiple law enforcement agencies to go get forensic evidence from the computers. It's a simple process. It wouldn't have taken more than an hour to image all five machines. That was never done despite my objections, and that was three weeks ago. Now, I get it. He understands the system. He pointed out a problem. The problem is we're not the government, right? Neither is he. None of us are the government. The government has to bring these charges in order to conduct that investigation. And one would hope that when you make the allegations, they immediately respond. But the government's never been as good at responding to things as the private sector. And that's why Trump's doing good with the vaccine. But that's a different topic. I want to stay on this this hearing because I think it's important. And another person that spoke at this hearing that I think is worthy of note is – well, you know what? I'll let you hear it while I figure out the name. Check this out. So at the very, the very beginning of the, uh, the chart where there's a circle that says on Election Day, uh, what that indicates is there is a spike in uh, loaded votes, uh, uh, 337,000 plus or minus of some votes that were added in there in one big batch. So that was uh, an anomaly in the reporting. Normally you would expect to see a smooth curve going up. Not any, uh, not any big, big spikes. Uh, that's kind of what uh, what Greg was talking about: the the anomalies of loading and uh, uploading those uh, those votes. So that big spike that uh, occurs there is a prime indicator of fraudulent voting. And that's six hundred and four thousand votes in ninety minutes. Is that right? Correct. This is uh, three hundred and uh, three hundred and thirty-seven votes, three hundred thirty-seven thousand votes in that, uh, that, that in that, that period of time. Yes. And when you look at this entire curve with all these spikes, can you calculate how 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 much of a vote that accounted for for Biden and how much for Trump? Close to six hundred thousand. I think our our figures were about five hundred and seventy some odd thousand that uh, all those spikes represent over time for Biden. Correct. And how much for Trump? I think it was a little over 3,200. Wow. So at the very beginning of the chart, there's a circle that says on Election Day, and 337,000 votes, plus or minus. Then it goes up to 600,000 votes. And you're going to say that that's not enough to swing an election? I mean, we just have to deal with fact here. This is stuff that we have to deal with. It's a matter of fact. And again, I'm sorry I didn't uh, uh, set that up the right way. The the caption on that audio uh, should have been former retired Army Colonel Phil Waldron during the hearing on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about who is the Time Magazine Person of the Year or Persons of the Year. Boy, I was shocked, but not quite, not really. But keep it locked right there. I want to talk about that. I want to get into lots of things with respect to what Cuomo's had to say and others. I'm Rich Valdez, sitting in for The Great One. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, Mr. Call Screener. Our telephone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, and the media is on an all-out assault on our republic. The Democrats are literally trying to raise the republic, R-A-Z-E, I have to clarify. They want to destroy the aspects of democracy that we use and pervert them for their own purposes. We can't allow that to happen. For far too long, the political ruling class, Washington, wherever else, they've continued to usurp political power from we the people. No bueno. I was looking at a headline. Dr. Fauci, Andrew Cuomo, AOC, Now, mind you, I don't have a nickname for Dr. Fauci. I don't. Of course, uh, the great one has labeled him the Fauci, which I think is classic. I haven't heard one better than that. But Dr. Fauci, Andy Cuomo. Now, I call Andrew Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, I call him Andy Cuomo from the Andy Cuomo podcast. Because every day during that coronavirus peak, when we were trying to flatten the curve in 15 days, and here we are, you know, Nearly uh, feels like 15 years later. He would get in front of the press corps, sit down in front of a microphone, and it really seemed like he was doing like a televised or, you know, a streaming podcast. And he would talk, my mother, yeah, my mother, my brother, my mother's meatballs. And he would talk about all these things. And I thought to myself, man, you know, some people might eat it up because it shows a softer, different side of him. But we were sitting there listening to his pontification and get, yeah, I get it. That's what I do. (laughs) But difference is I'm not the governor. So when you see the governor sitting there being a talk show host, you got to think to yourself, man, this guy decides who's essential and who isn't. And I just, it, it really irked me. So he earned himself the name Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. And consequently, we're not going to get into that, but He was actually nominated for an Emmy or won the Emmy. They gave him an Emmy Award for doing press conferences. Riddle me that. How on earth do we give politicians Emmy Awards for doing their job? Beyond me. But Essential Andy, Dr. Phony, and AOC all out crazy, all out commie, against our Constitution, whichever AOC acronym you want to use, AOC was nominated, along with these two, for Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Yep, that's true. And it makes me wonder. There's talk about redistricting AOC, and I wonder why. Well, maybe it's because the Democrats are at war within themselves. There are those that want a primary. There are those that want to be more progressive, more left-leaning. 
Then there are those that are saying, get away from me with that defund the police BS. Because that stuff's going to end up tanking us. And we've heard all these conversations. So I want you to hear this clip of audio. Check this out. Well, Joe Biden has always been a proponent for funding or employing greater resources into police department. However, that can bifurcate in two different directions. When we go back to the Obama administration in the past, what the Obama administration did was they implemented multiple consent decrees. So I think that's something that we're going to see under the um, Biden administration, because there's a civil war brewing within the Democratic Party. You have a component that's driving towards this defunding of police. When we see people such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Omar up in um, Minnesota, but then you have the other side that, that's in the middle, and then you also have other individuals that are even further to the left. Now, that's former NYPD police lieutenant Darren Porcher. Darren Porcher is basically laying it out the way I was just laying it out, letting you know that this is not they're not monolithic either. Just like you've got never Trumpers and Trumpers, You've got the AOC crew and the non-AOC crew, you know, and, and they're trying to to puppet Biden. But, you know, Biden, as much as I like to crack on him like the next guy and ridicule him, the reality is that he is, I'm not going to say a sophisticated politician, but he's definitely experienced as a politician. He knows the swamp. He knows how to live in the swamp. He thrives in the swamp, makes money, a fortune in the swamp. That's all he knows. That's his immediate go-to. And when he can't funnel money into his own pocket, he uses his son, as Rudy Giuliani said, as a bagman. Yet, he cites AOC, who's now in the, the, the running <laughs> with Dr. Fauci and Andy Cuomo for Time's Person of the Year. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Now, the real reason I think all of this happens is because We've fallen into a trap. We have kind of turned a blind eye to what Barack Obama brought us through and brought us to. He brought us through the ringer, constantly being the demagogue in chief, splitting us up with every sentence that he uttered. It was about you versus you, him versus her, us versus them. This is why we're dealing with inequity. This is why that's racist. This is why the economy is bad. This is why capitalism must be destroyed. This is why police must be abolished. All in the name of BLM, all in the name of equity, all in the name of making things better, creating problems that weren't even problems just so he could provide solutions to separate people even further and galvanize them for his cause. So it comes as no surprise to me that when you know, just the day before Thanksgiving, on Wednesday, he says that evangelical Latinos, I'm raising my hand, disregarded Trump's racism because of views on abortion and gay marriage. Now, this is really interesting to me because I think many people hold their nose for many candidates. Very few people, I think very few, I don't think it's a majority, I think it's very few people are actually single issue voters. I think most people have views on lots of issues, and they find the person that has the most uh, compatibility with them, and they vote for that person. So I think it, it comes as no surprise that we, we do that and we, we support those candidates. But there are these single-issue voters, and I don't think there's a single-issue voter out there 
that you know that's saying eh, we're going to turn a blind eye on everything Trump's done. I, I don't think Trump's that bad personally. I really don't. I don't think he's done these terrible things that they're they're alleging. I mean, if you really look at it, but the problem is the media has come in so hard and so heavy, constantly trying to change the narrative to make things worse than they are, to make Obama out to be some sort of. Uh, I was going to use a uh, like a storybook, like a Prince Charming, and in he's really more like Doctor Doom in my opinion. He's just the divider and demagogue in chief. But rather than me tell you about the things that he's talking about, I want you to hear what Barack Obama had to say on Wednesday. Check this out. People were surprised about uh, a lot of Hispanic folks who voted for Trump. But there's a lot of evangelical Hispanics who, you know, the fact that Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts uh, detainees, uh, you know, uh, uh, undocumented workers in cages, they think that's less important than the fact that, you know, he uh, supports their views on, you know, gay marriage or abortion. Gay marriage or abortion. And uh, let me be clear. This guy, divider in chief. I mean, literally, it's not. I don't just cherry pick these pieces of audio to make it sound like when he talks, he's trying to divide people. I'm not. That's literally what he does. And even that big last speech, the last big speech that Michelle Obama gave that she did on YouTube from multiple camera angles, it was a pre-recorded video. Even more divisive. You can tell she graduated from the Barack Obama School of Division. And divisiveness, divisiveness. It was just incredibly uh, focused on divide and conquer. But let me be the first to tell you that I happen to be one of these, you know, uh, grew up Catholic, switched over, attend an evangelical church. Definitely not a perfect Christian, but, you know, every day is a struggle. And I happen to be a Latino. It's a lot easier to be a Latino than it is to be uh, an evangelical because, you know, there's a higher standard. But the point is... I don't turn a blind eye to things that Trump is doing. In fact, I look at what Trump is doing and I say, man, that's actually a pretty good thing. I mean, it's been pointed out before. Donald Trump has been a a faithful husband to his wife while he's been president. That's been abundantly clear. He's been solid on so many issues. He's fought for so many things with respect to religious liberty. I can't think of a reason why an evangelical would challenge Trump other than them saying, you know what, let me look back. Let me look in the rearview mirror and come up with reasons, uh, excuses, really, of why I don't want to support Trump. Because when I spoke with one of his pastoral advisors, spiritual advisors, I mean, the stories that I heard were congruent and consistent with the limited interactions that I've had with the president. The guy's the real deal. Nobody walks away from from their penthouse on Fifth Avenue and grabs their supermodel wife and their family in tow and says, hey, let's go to the swamp. It's going to be fun. And when I've spoken with Donald Trump Jr. in the past, he's made it clear that before there was the famous escalator ride, there was the famous elevator ride where it was just the family members coming down from the penthouse down to that atrium or lobby level to go on to the escalator that we've all seen so many times. And on that ride, he told them this thing is going to be terrible. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very challenging, very hard. But we're going to do it and we're going to win. 
And you have to, at least I have to respect that. I got to respect that kind of hustle, that kind of commitment to America. But Obama, Obama wants to go on and say that, you know, Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts undocumented workers in cages. They think it's less important that he supports their views on gay marriage or abortion. Now, of course, these cages that he's referring to were, in fact, built during his administration. Chain link enclosures meant to temporarily house illegal immigrants at border facilities. Wow, look at that. But yet, the demagogue in chief wants to go running his mouth. And this is, to me, it's out of control. This is not something that we should allow to to go unchecked. We've got to raise our voices and tell people how, exactly how we feel. It just has to be that way. But I see a lot of people holding. I do not want to keep you all on hold forever. So let's go to caller number two, uh, Cindy in Georgia. If you're there, you're on the phone with Rich Valdez. Welcome. All right. Cindy going once. Cindy going twice. All right. Let's go to Teresa. Is Teresa there. Teresa. Teresa. Yes. Hi, Teresa. I'm Rich. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I just love your show. Thank You're you. doing a great job for Mark Levin. I know he's proud. Thank you. And uh, I just, uh, I hope President Trump, I hope you're listening. We love you here in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, I know you're going to hold on to your seat. And I want to get off the subject of, of voter fraud because there's so much discussion of that. And it's yeah. just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, but I want to talk about the Electoral College. I was thinking about it today, and just going back more than 40 years to a high school government class, and I could be wrong, but if memory serves me correctly, I believe that the individual electors have the power, the flexibility to vote for uh, whomever they want if they believe there are there is, for example, a threat to national security, um, and I, I, the language should be spelled out in the Constitution. I was trying to do some research on the Internet, and I couldn't find anything about it. But I know there's something there because the Electoral College was created as like a fail-safe mecha- mechanism to getting a disastrous president in yeah. there, which I believe we would have under Biden. All anybody has to do is read that Bernie Biden manifesto. It, it was under Google last time I checked, Bernie Biden manifesto uh it's called something else yeah I, I believe it's, uh, it's called the uh sanders um or biden sanders unity task force memo and yeah, it's yeah. 110 pages mm-hmm. long yeah we've looked at it quite a few times here on the program and yeah you're right it's 110 pages talks about why we should follow aoc's lead on the green new deal why we should in effect damage hurt or maim our economy in the name of environmentalism and it just – it really begs the question, why on earth would we put ourselves in a position where we're going to hurt our economy, hurt jobs, hurt workers, hurt industries, and we're not going to get anything positive out of it? Marxist agenda, it's, it's scary as all, as, as all heck. And there's two sections that, uh, that I believe – well, the entire document is full of endless regulations and – uh, I mean, 
an average reasonable person like myself can conclude, you know, that taxes are going to go up. It's going to wreck our economy, but it's a threat to our democracy and our national security, and these electors need to be reading that. I have not You're talked right. to anybody. They do need to-, to read it. They need to stay focused on it because – Everybody needs to know what the enemy is up to, right? Sun Tzu, Art of War, you, you need to know what the enemy is doing. You need to know how they roll. And that's something I think Trump uses with his adversaries pretty often. He tries to always anticipate their move. That's why he's so good with the media and is able to call them out the way that he does. I appreciate the call, Teresa. I'm going to get to the rest of your calls. We're also going to talk about AOC and uh, Essential Andy and Dr. Fauci being nominated to the Time Magazine Person of the Year status as well as a couple other things with related, uh, related to election fraud. And there was one other topic, but keep it locked right there. I'll bring it to you on the other side. I'm Rich Valdez. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. This is the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez, Mr. Call Screener, sitting in at Rich Valdez on all the social media, Valdez with an S. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. We were just talking about Barack Obama and what he said on The Breakfast Club. It's a nationally syndicated radio show, uh, commentary on hip-hop music, which I actually am a connoisseur of. And he said that Hispanic evangelical Christians, the reason that they broke for Trump or they went for Trump uh, and he saw that increase was because they were turning a blind eye to to his uh, immorality in many senses, you know, and they liked his position on on abortion and gay marriage or whatever it was. It's BS. Then Beto O'Rourke had something similar to say, saying that Hispanics went for Trump because of their machismo. Or what I like to say is uh, toxic masculinity. So we're going to get into that. I want to tell you a little bit about what uh, I was talking about with my buddy Chris Salcedo recently on WBAP, one of Mark's affiliates. Keep it locked right there. We're going to be right back. 877-381-3811. Your calls and more right now. I'm Rich Valdez. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The Mike Levin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. So, Mr. Call Screener, that is the official Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, breaking news music. And, of course, the breaking news I'm bringing news probably a couple hours ago. But it says breaking Breaking news, Arizona legislature to hold a hearing on election integrity, Trump lawyers to attend. Check it out. The Arizona state legislature will hold a hearing on election integrity on Monday, November 30th. Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis will be present on behalf of President Donald J. Trump, who I like to call El Trumpito Donaldus Magnus, El Presidente. Now, the president's legal team will be present from Washington, D.C. to assist in a fact-finding hearing with select members of the Arizona House and Senate and a panel of experts. The goal of the team is to gather the evidence that justifies calling a special session to contemplate what happened during the election in Arizona and take immediate action. Quote, we are pleased that the state legislatures in Pennsylvania, Arizona, excuse me, Arizona and Michigan are convening hearings to examine the November 3rd presidential election, end quote. And that's uh, from Jenna Ellis, personal attorney to President Donald J. Trump. So this is great. Arizona, hashtag Arizona hearing. Let's get that trending. I saw that uh, while we were doing the show prep. I wasn't up to speed on the fact that that had already happened and they had a date for it. So bringing that to you. And I think it's important that we continue to have these hearings. We continue to bring the facts to to light because here's the thing if we allow the democrats to keep stuffing you know i'm not even gonna say stuff in the ballot box i'm talking about stuffing that you know that pan that they pulled off the rack at the big box store that loaf of bread that they you know stuffed down their pants and then the uh, flat screen tv that's under their arm because of course they're hungry if we allow them to keep stealing everything they want and not calling them on it and not checking them on it we are going to be screwed We have to take these steps. We have to use our system to protect our system because they're using our system to destroy the system. So that's really important. Now, I'm going to give you the phone number again because I do want to get to your calls. I'm not going to have a ton of time for calls, but I do want you guys to be heard. 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. And a couple of things I just want to put out there momentarily. We talked about a lot of things tonight, but there's a lot of news with respect to what... uh, 
Obama said, President Obama, former President Obama said about evangelical Latinos being, uh, you know, disregarding Trump's racism, which uh, I reject flat on its face. I do not believe Donald Trump is a racist. And that's coming from me. I'm a brown guy, right? Hispano, Boricua, Latino, whatever you want to call me. I'm one of them. And I do not think Donald Trump is a racist. And I just want that to be on the record because too many people think that that everybody thinks the same way. And that's frankly not the case. But with that being said, the BLM people are out of control. We heard from the former police officer, police lieutenant, of how these Democrats are at odds with one another. So much so that, you know, there was a Black Lives Matter activist, one of the top guys that was leading the charge for the Breonna Taylor protests in in Louisville. He was shot dead. So thoughts and prayers to his family. I didn't support the cause, but I don't think anybody should be getting killed. And there's another uh, another interesting piece that I was looking at about Trump's gains amongst Latino voters should shouldn't come as a surprise. And, you know, this is one of those articles where they kind of, you know, they say, oh, it's a few nice things about Trump. And then they go, well, because, you know, uh, Latinos overall, they they're they're into machismo. So it makes sense that they would want a autocratic, strong arm, dictatorial type of leader. And I think to myself, you know. Something I said, and I mentioned this before uh, the, the break, I teased it. I, I had the opportunity to join Chris Salcedo on his show on Newsmax, on T- Newsmax TV, excuse me. Uh, and it, it, I think it's simulcast on WVAP, which is one of Mark's affiliates. So if you guys are listening from Texas, you heard me say this uh, this past week. But what I said was, I think it's important. I think this is what I said. <laughs> I think, I think, yes. Strong leadership is important to Hispanics, Latinos, all Americans, in my opinion, should be confident in the leader that they elect. I think it's very important that we don't conflate machismo or even manliness. You know, when I was a kid, my dad liked watching John Wayne movies. John Wayne was a man's man. By today's standards, they would call that toxic masculinity. And it's just not cool. It's not right. We need a leader that is going to mean what he says and say what he means. Something my dad would say, un macho de verdad, be a man, do your job. And I think we get that every day with Donald Trump and then some because he leaves it all on the field. And that's why we have to do the same thing. We have to rise to that same challenge. But I do want to get to your calls. I don't want to go off on a big tangent because then I won't get to the calls. 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let's uh, start from the top. Let's take it straight down. Dave, what's on your mind? You're on with Rich Valdez. All right, Dave. Hello, yes. What's on your mind? Okay. Um, yes. Okay. All right. I want Dave. your opinion. I want to hear your thoughts. The evidence is clear. The evidence is overwhelming. Uh, will the Supreme Court follow the law and throw out votes, or will they chicken out and, you know, kind of fall into this George Soros trance, and I think he should be the man of the year, too, George Soros. But I want your <laughs> thoughts on the Supreme Court. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, I the, think my thoughts on the Supreme Court are, overall, this is politics. Even though the judiciary should be free from politics, I think public pressure on the court to respond and react should be a real thing. People should be making noise. I feel like there was more of an uproar from moms all across America who were looking at Brett Kavanaugh as their son and what could happen to their boys at home than what's currently happening right now with an entire election. I think we need more public outcry. We need more people saying, hey, look, SCOTUS, 
You need to step up and do what's right. And I don't think that they're being cowardly. I think that they're going to do what's right. But I think we need, we the people need to continue beating that drum. To me, that's incredibly important. We have to do that. Let's go to Tim. Tim, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Oh, hey, Mr. Call Screener. How you doing, man? Doing great, brother. Where are you calling from? What city and state? Hey, got uh, Charlotte, North Carolina down here. I love North Charlotte, North Carolina, the Research Triangle, Raleigh-Durham. I love I love so much of North Carolina. It's such a beautiful state, great weather. If I don't retire to Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic or maybe even Miami, North Carolina's probably got the best weather. I might end up there. What's on your mind, Tim? Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of transplants here. It's very, very rare, actually, that I run into people that are from Charlotte. Um, I'm not from Charlotte myself. <laughs> right. Um, how, however, let me let me uh, let me pivot this. So, um, I called because I had a question in regards to the Sixth Amendment, specifically the clause regarding speedy trials and whether or not that would be um, a question slash an issue that can be raised after the fact in regards to how the courts handle these situations yeah. and lawsuits that have currently been filed. Well, it's an interesting point. What I'll say there, and again, uh, my disclaimer, I'm I'm not uh, a lawyer, but I work for one on the radio, right? And I think with respect to the Sixth Amendment, that that's it, with respect to a criminal charge and a criminal trial where you're on a trial. Trump's not on trial here. He's actually bringing civil litigation. So it's going to be different rules, and Mark talked about this, and he did an excellent job of it. And I think it's one of those, those uh, episodes of Levin from last week where he talked about Actually, it might have been even earlier this week where he talked about the rules of civil procedure. And they're important because you're not proving beyond a shadow of a doubt. You're just making the case that there is a preponderance of proof. And as long as you can make that case, you can usually get the case going, which is why he was saying he was surprised that they'd thrown out so many of these cases, being that he felt they had sufficient evidence in the cases. And these courts are all punting this so that the Supreme Court will take it up and they're trying to not get involved because they don't want to be seen as political. And we saw that in that same election I talked about at the beginning of the show. If you didn't hear it, the Rutherford B. Hayes election in 1876, they did the same thing and the court did not get involved. They ended up creating an electoral commission. And it was a really a fascinating concept. I don't know if it was one that I, I agree with, but it is what happened and it is what is you know, noted in history. So I think with respect to that, Sixth Amendment's probably not going to apply because he's not on trial. Thank God he's not on trial, and that's because he hasn't done anything wrong. But thank you for your call, Tim. Let's swing it over to George. George, what's going on? Uh, not a lot, just sitting here. Uh, anyway, uh, I'd like to uh, say something about this election. You know, it really just floors me, you know, that they, people are there's no indication of this or no indication of that. When you wake up Monday morning, as some of the experts said, uh, Trump was 800,000, 700,000 votes ahead in Pennsylvania, and he's dwindled down to nothing with Biden being ahead. How does that happen? You know, was there fraud? And they're trying to say, well, we have to find out if there might have been fraud. Uh, come on. You know, it, it's just ridiculous. And when the Sydney Powell gets through, if she's. Anything like they say, like they say she is, they're going to find the perpetrators that were behind this ballot stuffing thing and this other thing they call uh, ballot harvesting. And there was, a, and they were crazy about it. They they wanted this ballot thing. They, well, of course, it was, it, this is how the the left, specifically the left, not just all Democrats, but the left. They want to figure – they use the system to destroy the system. It's, it's Stalin, and it was repeated by Saul Alinsky. This is what they do. They, they they just use good for the sake of bad. And I think you have a lot of solid points that 
a lot's happening and we're not seeing a lot of results. And that is real life. There are people that get raped and killed and murdered all the time. And they have the guy on video and they say wanted and they look for the guy and they never find the guy. And justice is not done. And there's so many people looking for that closure. And right now, again, this is not a murder. Thankfully, it's a, it's a stolen election. Nobody killed anybody. But still huge, huge for our country, huge for our future. And it's important. And we need to get to the bottom of it. But it's not always a perfect world. And I thank you for that, George. Let's go to Jim. Jim, what's on your mind? You're on with Rich Valdez. Yeah, Rich. Hey, you're doing a great job, young man. I think you're very well spoken and Thank well you, thought out and such. But uh, I just wanted to bring out the points, you know, with all this, uh, these these people that are socialist-minded, communist-minded and such. To me, it's like I think the government, the you know, if Trump wins especially, does get his seat back. You know, let's give them socialism. Let's just round them up, put them in a gulag or whatever, <laughs> ship them back, ship them to North Korea. They, yeah. they think communism, socialism so great. Let's show them what it's really like. Let them have it. Well, I mean, it. if we actually did that, then there would be no difference, right? There would be no daylight between us and the left, and we would obviously succumb to everything that we're trying to fight against. So we couldn't do that. We always have to fight evil with good and darkness with light and all of that. The minute we, you know, I, I made this comparison once on on uh, Parler, on my Parler account, at Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. And I said, you cannot put out a fire with fire. And, of course, a bunch of wise guys, smart Alex, they called, you know, commented, saying, well, you know, in some fires you do use a bigger fire. But you get my point, and most people do. There's fire, you throw water on it. You don't use fire to put out fire in most situations. Maybe if you're like some super-duper fireman putting out a huge forest fire. But us laymen, we know you throw water on a fire. And that's my point here. We, the minute that we become them, there's no reason to fight. We're all in the same boat. Now we're all socialists. Now we're all autocrats. Now we're all murderers. It doesn't make any sense. But thank you, Jim. I appreciate your call and your thoughts on it. And I could definitely appreciate your frustration because so many of us are frustrated just like you. All right, let's do this one fast. Ricardo. Ricardo, what's going on? I'm Rich Valdez. Ricardo Jaramillo, United States Marine Corps Master Sergeant, retired. Latino evangelical. My man, thank you for your service. What's on your mind? We got 25 seconds. Well, if the appellate judges are rejecting the point that uh, there's nothing valid in what Trump lawyers are presenting, how's God going to look at it? How's the Supreme Court going to look at it? Do we need to get more bullets, more? What do we need to be, you know, so that you know, more to be nice for the judges. Now, I don't know if bullets are going to help anything. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't think bullets are going to do anything to make a a, a, a a legal case, especially civil litigation. I think, again, public pressure is what we need. We need people out there in the streets hanging signs. We need people on the news, people making news, people writing letters to the editor, people making noise, putting their their representatives under pressure, local representatives, federal representatives. Everybody needs to know, if you don't do the right thing here, we're not going to vote for you again. We're not going to take this lying down. There has to be a genuine consequence. And it doesn't have to be extreme, and it doesn't have to be violent or anything like that. This is civil litigation. That's what it's about, and I think that's what we need to focus on. So I appreciate that, Ricardo. I appreciate your call. We're going to get to the rest of your calls. I know there's a few people that are still waiting. I am Rich Valdez, and this is The Mark Levin Show. Keep it locked right there. Mark Levin.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. Facts matter, and although it doesn't seem that way when we look at the propagandists and the pseudo-press, but I thank God for the few faithful journalists that are still out there that believe in the truth. I thank God for our president who fights what's right to restore and retain our republic. These are the things that matter, I think, at the end of the day. All of it matters. You know, I'm a kid that was born in Brooklyn to Puerto Rican parents, Moved to Jersey, opened up a business while I was still in high school. And that's why I'm a conservative today, because I started a business and I realized what it costs somebody to have to pay taxes and have to do all of these things. So I've got 30 seconds. I want to go to Esmeralda in New York. What's on your mind? Quickly. Thank you for taking my call. I believe that the president is not sacrificing only for this country, but even more. This is not only a fight between American Democrats and Republicans, but a fight between our world and a world that wants to have the absolute control. You're 100% right. I couldn't agree with you more. People look at America for leadership. We have to be number one and help everybody else. When you're the big guy in the block, people look at you. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. I was drinking coquito, eating pernil, having all of those things, turkey, of course, and some stuffing. And my family got together. And it reminded me of the words of President Donald J. Trump back in 2016. Check this out. We are very blessed to call this nation our home. And that's what America is. It is our home. It's where we raise our families, care for our loved ones, look out for our neighbors, and live out our dreams. It's my prayer that on this Thanksgiving, we begin to heal our divisions and move forward as one country, strengthened by shared purpose and very, very common resolve. In declaring this national holiday, President Lincoln called upon Americans to speak with one voice and one heart. That's just what we have to do. We've just finished a long and bruising political campaign. Emotions are raw and tensions just don't heal overnight. It doesn't go quickly, unfortunately. But we have before us the chance now to make history together, to bring real change to Washington, real safety to our cities, and real prosperity to our communities, including our inner cities, so important to me and so important to our country. But to succeed, we must enlist the effort of our entire nation. This historic political campaign is now over. 
but now begins a great national campaign to rebuild our country and to restore the full promise of America for all of our people. I'm asking you to join me in this effort. It's time to restore the bonds of trust between citizens, because when America is unified, there is nothing beyond our reach, and I mean absolutely nothing. Let us give thanks for all that we have, and let us boldly face the exciting new frontiers that lie ahead. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.